Demois, nothing on Lady Whistledown. Nothing. Hello, hello, hello. Happy first episode of 2024. It's a new year. It's a new day. (laughs) It's a new life. (laughs) For us. For us. So now that it's 2024, all my mental health problems have been solved. Yeah. Um, Suddenly we're I'm wealthy. Perfect. <laughs> and I've had I have no problems whatsoever. It's pretty crazy how that happens. It's all good. We're basically like Mary Kay and Ashley. Simply um, thriving. <laughs> yeah. No bugle fat whatsoever. No, none. In these cheeks, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I was watching first of all, guys. Tell us what you like on TikTok because I feel like we've been putting out some actual bangers lately. Mm-hmm. Christina made a TikTok from the Santa Claus 2 episode. I made two. Talking, <laughs> yeah. To- and one of them I was watching today, I was just like, how is this not viral? We're not doing so hot on TikTok right now. And I know why. It's because we did not post much during the strike era oh. because there wasn't mm. much we could post. And now mm-hmm. TikTok is punishing us and not showing our uh, videos to anybody. They're like, oh, you have 64,000 followers. Yeah, 200 people are going to see your videos. Very rude and nasty. Yeah. But, you know, we keep trying out here. I think mm-hmm. that we're pretty funny. But, like, please tell <laughs> us, is there stuff, like, do you want us to do unboxings? Like, mm. of, I don't know. But like we'll do a Claire's haul and we'll show you everything. Yeah, we'll do a Claire's haul. We'll do we could do a thing where it's like holding up a movie or like this movie's great for a girls' night. This movie's great for a first date. This movie's like what do you want? Do you want like Anything. our faces and stuff? Like should we do right. front facing content more? Yeah. Do you want to see the gals behind the pod? No, like no. I listen to a podcast for yeah. a reason. Get your ugly ass faces yeah. <laughs> off my screen. Oh my gosh. Do you want to finally be able to discern our voices by putting a face to the name? Right, right. I did listen to you talking recently. I was listening to the, I think it was in the TikTok, and I was like, oh my God, do I sound like this? But like not in a bad way. I was just like, is this my voice? Like it just sounds a little different than I thought it did. And then I was like, oh wait, that's Christina. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't think that our voices sound similar, but I also like listen to them all the time. Because I mm-hmm. edit, so I'm I've just listened, I've consumed hours and hours and hours of our voices. Right. So I feel like I am deeply intimate with them. Yeah, like there, like there are different vocal tics and things about our voices that I notice. So yeah, but I guess maybe to to the untrained ear, not as much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I whenever I have like the Patreon episode, I'm editing and I'm like. Oh, my vocal my vocal fry is bad. Like I need to stop <laughs> doing that. Or I'll be like, um, and the, just take the longest pauses between mm. each word. And I'm like, I'm killing myself <laughs> by like having to chop up the sentence like 10 different ways. Mm. But here we are. Yeah. I find that the majority of the editing that I do is not content editing. It's just like taking out dead air, taking out filler mm-hmm. words, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so let us, as I just said, um, again, (laughs) let us know 
what you want to see on TikTok. You know, we're trying to get back into the groove of things. We're free from the strike right. shackles. We're going back to that momentum we were building, you know, over the summer. So totally. Yeah, I'm just excited for more to come this year. Absolutely. And I feel like we also because of like strike and just like busy schedules, like didn't have as many guests this past mm-hmm. year, but like we want to have more guests. We want to like interact with you guys more. We want to just bring the pod to the next level. Yeah. So as so like I'm a girl boss. <laughs> um, I'm a millennial. Yeah. We just talked about taxes for like an hour. So. <laughs> I, if I, oh. <laughs> like we have an accountant now. Yeah. Which I feel cool about. I do. Yeah. But I'm also like, I <laughs> I, hate, I it. hate it. It's the worst to talk about, like, because there's your own personal finances. Mm-hmm. That's already so strenuous to manage. <laughs> yep. And on top of that, like managing money where I'm like, oh, I like also have to like pay people. Like it's just so much. Yeah. I hate responsibilities. <laughs> who who out there can agree? <laughs> Raise your hand if you also hate responsibilities. I do. That's for sure. I'm just a girl. A 27-year-old girl. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that we have, like, two people on payroll, I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) But here we are. Yeah. you know, it's all good. It's all good. There, I feel like, is such a shift, too, from going from these mics are $60. Like, we've only recorded on $60 mics Mm -hmm. to, like – hey, what if we increase our quality of product? Like, yeah. what if we get better mics? Like, and in my mind, I'm like, but we'll never be able to afford that. And I'm like, we can. Yeah. yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like, we have some very nice mics that will be coming soon. So, yes, your ears will be thanking us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna be like, wow, the smooth, dulcet sounds. I can hear the vocal yeah. fry so much better. Yeah. <laughs> No more like we say like a P word and your ears are like. Like, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It'll just be like a soft, delicate noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll foray into ASMR. No, we won't. Yeah. Extra stream of revenue. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we just want to make the pod the best quality for you Mm -hmm. guys. Uh, We're also looking at some new merch options. So let us know. I know some people have like sent merch ideas to us in the past like if you guys have any ideas about that or just um things you want to see i actually saw the other day we can cut this if you don't want this <laughs> out of here but like i saw the other day on etsy um keychains that you can buy with like your favorite spotify song on them oh yeah and i was like what if we had keychains <gasps> of people's episode. favorite episodes that would be so cute yeah let us know if you want that yeah let us know if you want that the seller does do bulk orders so it can be possible if you yeah. – oh, do you want the Miss Congeniality movies that raised us mm-hmm. episode on a keychain? Yeah. Cute. You big fan yeah. of the Twilight episodes? You want to just be oh. able to scan it and grab it whenever you can? We can make that happen. Yeah. Uh, and with all that <laughs> business aside, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about today's episode because yeah. this show, honestly, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, it sounds – obscure and like awful Mm -hmm. and then i watched it and i was like i need it 
do you, I can tell you the exact first time that you heard about it because I was the first person in our friend group to watch the show. Let me set the scene. Aren't you always? Let me. I feel like this is constantly. <laughs> you're like, yeah, and no one wanted to watch and it when I told you guys to about me. it. <laughs> so let me let me paint a picture for you. It is <laughs> December twenty sixth, twenty twenty. Okay, lockdown. (laughs) Yep, deep, deep lockdown. I am sitting in my home. It is my first, you know, COVID Christmas without my Mm -hmm. parents. It's just me and my brother. It's Boxing Day. He's off in his room, probably like talking to his wife. And I am (laughs) in the living room, probably drinking wine. And I'm like, "Mm, you know what would be great right now? Let me watch something. And I open up Netflix on my Apple TV. And the very first thing that I see when I open Netflix is like the you know how they have like the big recommended you know banner shows right, whatever right. and it says Bridgerton and I see these beautiful delicate ladies in their Regency era gowns and I was like hmm I'm intrigued I click on it I barely even read the description and I was like you know what let me watch the first episode let me give her a shot yeah I watched the pilot I was gripped I was hooked gripped. I was intrigued and at 8.49 p.m., December 26, 2020, I texted our mm-hmm. group chat and I said, guys, I'm watching Bridgerton on Netflix and it's basically Gossip Girl but set in the 1800s in London. And Gossip Girl, a.k.a. Lady Whistledown, is voiced by our girl, Julie Andrews, because in our book club we had just read Julie Andrews' autobiography. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of responses. They are pretty timid. Um, yes, Dame Julie, OMG fun. Yes, Judy, our girl, that sounds fun. And two hours later, 10.50 p.m., I say, I am so invested. It is juicy. I def recommend so far. And the only response is from Mo. And she says, ooh, I'm currently on a dark kick. And I'm assuming that's a show you were watching at the time. Oh, yeah, it's a German show I was watching with subtitles (laughs) And that it was that was it. That was intense. the only response. <laughs> and then I proceeded to watch the entire first season in one sitting. I believe I went to bed oh at like gosh. five in the morning because uh, I watched all of season one in one go. Wow. Yeah. And nobody listened to me. <laughs> I just I didn't. I don't know when exactly I watched it. I know that shortly after that, I probably stopped watching Dark because it was, like, very intense. I was mm. like, this is making me moody. Yeah. Um, But I do remember – I must have been – and you know what? I might have been going on – because t- the next year was 2021. Oh, my God. Maybe I, I didn't watch it until 2022. No, that was the second season. Yeah, the second season came out. Okay. I don't know when I watched it then. I feel like you watched it pretty close to when the second season came out. Okay. Maybe. Because I remember, but I can't, I think it was season two, but I remember downloading the episodes on my iPad to watch on a flight. Yeah. I can tell you exactly when you watched it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Pull up the receipts. So January 7th, 2021 at 6.53 p.m. You texted me. You texted me about the season one season finale okay so you had just finished it oh a month later yeah yeah like a month later so pretty shortly after okay cool yeah what did i say i don't want to say because it's a spoiler oh okay okay anybody who has seen 
But it is about the identity of Lady Whistledown. Oh, shit. Yes. I do love – and I'm – I have to Google it because I'm going to say it wrong. I love Nicola Coughlin. Coughlin? Coughlin, she is maybe? Yeah. Coughlin. Um, she is in another show I love called Dairy Girls. Yes. And that show single-handedly got me through, like, a mental breakdown. Mm. So, you know, I mean, that and, like, a lot of other mental <laughs> medical intervention. Yeah. But, it, like, I think she's so talented. Yes. She's very gripping as an actress. She does really great character work in comedy. And mm. then also, like, as we see in Bridgerton, she can be very internal and, like, intense. And I love her performance. I think everyone's, like, quite a strong actor. Mm-hmm. And I also love just the fact that they didn't whitewash the entire cast. And I think that, like, obviously Hamilton has a huge influence on that because they were the first big production to really embrace um, doing a period piece, but casting people of all different, like, heritages and backgrounds and stuff. Um, And so I really appreciated that because I think that doing a period piece where – darker skinned people are only portrayed as the help is like such a disservice and like such a stupid way to cast a play in modern day. Like just to be be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like you can't play this role because you you are black or like Mm -hmm. a darker skinned person is insane to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, This is of course a Shonda Rhimes show. Yeah. And Shonda Rhimes has always like been very diverse in her casting there are like a you know a few different ways that I've seen period pieces be cast when they do include diversity. Obviously, there is the traditional way where it's like we're honoring history, which is like whatever. Um, and then there's what I thought Bridgerton had done initially, which was creating an alternate, like almost like an alternate universe where like mm-hmm. racism was never a thing, and like we're in this different universe where everybody was always treated equally but there's like one or two lines in this show that show us it's actually not that it's the secret third thing which is where racism did exist but the society has like overcome it Mm. because there's a line that lady danbury says i can't remember what episode it's in where she's talking to simon and she's like you know they didn't used to accept us but then one of them married one of us, referencing Queen Charlotte, who historically, like, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not she was a woman of color. A lot of people believe that she was. Like, there's quite a bit of evidence pointing to that. So, yeah. so There's a lot of, you know, discussion about the ways to go about addressing racism in period pieces and Mm -hmm. diverse casting in period pieces. I kind of wish that they had not included that line just because then it creates the idea that like oh yeah and then people just got over racism and it's like it never happened and it's like well no actually right it's a lot more complex than that but yeah it's definitely an interesting crossroads to add into Mm -hmm. a period piece um but it is for the most part not really discussed Mm -hmm. in the show but yeah, I don't really have much, much else to say about it because I I really don't know, I guess, from what I've seen, people really like that they didn't exclude 
you know, black actors as leads. Mm-hmm. So that is like good. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of reminiscent of like the the Brandy Whitney Houston Cinderella. Right, with, right. Like the complete colorblind casting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I really enjoy, I didn't expect to, but I love the weird uh, classical music remakes mm. of pop songs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. When I heard the first one, because I think Thank You Next is the first one that they do in the yes. whole series. And I was like, and I'm <gasps> like tacky. <laughs> I was like tacky, but they do it so many with a lot of Taylor Swift songs, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Have you seen – have you watched Queen Charlotte, the prequel no, series? No, I haven't. <gasps> it's so good. Yeah. But I can't watch it again because, like – Is it super sad? Yeah. Like, emotionally, yeah. it wrecked me. Like, me mm-hmm. and my roommate sitting on our air mattress in our living room sobbing, like, black mascara Aww. tears down the cheeks, just, like, I was losing it. It's so good, though. But yeah. whenever she has a scene with her with the king or like mm-hmm. there's reference of the king and stuff, it does sound very heartbreaking. And one of the things I really appreciate also in the show is that they continuously talk about like a love match. Mm-hmm. And they definitely didn't have to include that like idea or thought as like a prominent factor of the show but the fact that they did adds autonomy to where there probably like wasn't any historically or at least if so very sparse amount of it yeah um so i did appreciate that because they do kind of even though it's very clear that there is a ton of sexism Mm -hmm. there are little pockets of people being able to Uh, escape from that like with the love match and like actually finding a husband that you whose company you enjoy and who you really love and there are also some women who have professions like sienna we find out is an opera singer yeah and then um there's also the dressmaker who's managed to make a profession for herself oh yes so madame delacour delacroix yes delacroix Delacroix. yeah um i would personally really love a spinoff about sienna i think that she is so interesting and her story is so interesting i would love to see that expanded on Mm -hmm. um just to kind of see women who are a little bit freer from the the shackles of high society right but god it's such a good show and like as much Mm -hmm. as i enjoyed season one when it came out when i watched season two i feel like that blew season mm, one out of the water well (laughs) I really loved having Jonathan Bailey, yes, and Simone Ashley yes. as the leads. Also, there it was so much hornier in the second season. Absolutely, even though there was less, <laughs> there's less sex scenes, but it's it's the yearning, it's the slow burn, the it's desire, the restraint, the lust. Yeah, okay. And I feel like the love story is deeper because, like, with Daphne and Simon. It feels a little more surface. We're both pissed. And we're both into each other and like Mm -hmm. we're hot, but that was kind of it. Whereas like with Kate and Anthony, I'm like, I see why these two individual people would fall in love with each other. So similar, yet Mm -hmm. like butting enemies to lovers. Yeah. You are the bane of my existence and the object of all my desires. Are you kidding me? 
Are you kidding me? So highly, highly recommend season two as well. But before we get off on too long of a tangent, yes. let's just dive in. Yeah. So we open up to some beautiful instrumental string music and we hear the beautiful sounds of Miss Dame Julie Andrews saying, Grosvenor Square, 1813. Dearest Frida, the time has come to place our bets for the upcoming social season. Consider the household of Baron Featherington. Three misses foisted upon the marriage market like a sorrowful sow's by their tasteless, tactless mamma. <laughs> Prudence Featherington, we see, being laced up into her stays, a very popular undergarment in the 1800s. We see Lady Featherington, like, lace it even tighter, and she's like, I could squeeze my waist into the size of an orange and a half when I was your age, and you'll do the same. Girlie is about to pass out or throw up. She's on a while. We hear Lady Whistledown say... Far better odds might exist in the household of the widowed Viscountess Bridgerton. And as we go over to the Bridgerton house, we see a shot of their front door with a little bee flying around the door knocker. And, you know, viewers of the show will know just how important bees are in the Bridgerton family. Lady Whistledown says, A shockingly prolific family, noted for its bounty of perfectly handsome sons and perfectly beautiful daughters. We see Eloise complaining about having to wear this dress and, like, the whole day ahead. Meanwhile, youngest daughter Hyacinth feels like a princess in her gown. <laughs> they meet up with brothers Benedict and Colin at the bottom of the steps, but they're all waiting for the eldest daughter, Daphne. So Eloise screams at the top of her lungs, Daphne, you must make haste! <laughs> We then see the families heading to their carriages, Eloise waving at her bestie Penelope Featherington across the street, and we get our first glimpse of the beautiful Miss Daphne Bridgerton, just like the definition of a porcelain doll. Yes. Violet Bridgerton, the matriarch, then asks her son Benedict if there's been any sign of Antony yet and says that if he wants to be obeyed as Lord Bridgerton, then he must act like one. Mm. Cut to Anthony just, like, fucking a girl, <laughs> who we find out is Sienna, up against a tree while the, like, attendant for his carriage is just forced to stand there awkwardly. Oh, my God. I know. At the castle, the families arrive – it's the presentation for the season, and Antony finally shows up. A little tension between him and his mom, Violet, because she's like, thanks for showing up. Mm. And they go to escort Daphne in. Meanwhile, in the waiting room, the mothers fit their daughters with these very large, like, feather headpieces, and... Lady Whistledown says, today is the most important day, and for some, a terrifying one. For today is the day London's marriage-minded misses are presented to Her Majesty the Queen. Cut to Queen Charlotte herself, looking incredible and very bored, <laughs> um, as queens are wont to do. Yes. 
And we hear La- Lady Whistledown just say, may God have mercy on their souls. So I did go to the Bridgerton experience last year. Yeah. Um, I was I gifted a ticket as an influencer, which is insane. <laughs> um, but part of it was like they they taught us some dances. So mm-hmm. I brought my roommate as my plus one. We're like learning the dance. It's all hee hee ha ha. And we're kind of at like the front part of the dance floor, like closest to the right. throne. And little did we know that the next part was that they were going to have everybody line up to present themselves to the queen. Literally terrifying. (laughs) So I was literally the first person in line (laughs) and had to go and present myself. And it was very nerve wracking. I was like, I know this is a fake situation and this is an actor in front of me, (laughs) but I'm nervous. And the way she was looking at me, I was so nervous. (laughs) She led the same disapproving look so i can only imagine actually being in this right circumstance where literally your entire life and like your life's course relies on this one moment in front of the queen did she pick um the seasons like the diamond of the season comparable yes uh it was a man wearing a kilt he was standing right next to me actually because she looked at me for a second i was like dear god i hope it's not me because i cannot deal (laughs) with that pressure (laughs) It was the man standing right next to me wearing a kilt. Uh, he was the diamond of the season. Wow. Yeah. So it's time for the presentation. Prudence, Philippa, and Penelope Featherington are the very first to be presented. The doors open and we see the three girls like squeeze through the doors, followed by their mama. It's so sad because like – they could look so much better if mm-hmm. they were in better like dresses and if yeah. they were more graceful. But it's just like every turn, they are just so like discombobulated. Yeah, because like the Featheringtons, they they're wealthy, obviously, but they're not at the same level of wealth as the Bridgertons. And they don't have taste. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. I love Lady Featherington. Like, she's an icon and a legend. <laughs> she's, yeah. And I love her. But is she, you know, the classiest, daintiest woman around? No. Perhaps not. No. You know when she's in her castle that her feet be going, womp, 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 womp. <laughs> yeah. It's like in She's the Man where you see – um viola chewing on a fucking drumstick and then we cut over to olivia just like classily like eating a little cookie like yeah throwing her head back and meanwhile with viola they're playing like medieval music yeah it's that kind of vibe unfortunately um but her outfits slay and i love lady featherington (laughs) (laughs) but the three daughters make their way to the queen they curtsy and lady featherington says no And Lady Whistledown says, It is only the queen's eye that matters today. A glimmer of displeasure and a young lady's value plummets to unthinkable depths. And we see the queen looking very unimpressed and even like waves them off, which brutal. And to make matters worse, Prudence Featherington faints right at her feet. Certainly. So that's a rough one. Yes. Then the next girl, at least that we see, is Daphne Bridgerton. And this girl is – when I tell you she is glowing, she is beaming, Mm. she is thrilled. 
uh, it's like she's been voted prom queen. So yeah. she like takes a breath, the door opens, and she practically floats to the queen, just yeah. the most graceful. And Violet is at her side, just the very, again, graceful, elegant lady of the house. Queen Charlotte is full lord, and she surveys her as she curtsies. Then she gets out of her throne, walks to Daphne, tilts her chin up like from the curtsy, and says, flawless, my dear. And kisses her on the forehead. And Daphne just whispers to her mom. She's like, did that just happen? And Violet's like, keep smiling. Everyone's watching you now more than ever. (gasps) I'm like, way to lay the pressure on thick, mom. Mm -hmm. But Lady Whistledown says, as we know, the brighter a lady shines, the faster she may burn. Like they scandalous hook you so quick from yeah. the jump. Like where the theme song is now the beginning. power of a narrator. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, with Julie Andrews, you can't yeah. miss. So we have the beautiful, lovely theme song, and we see the very large, like I, I, it almost looks like a cherry blossom tree. It's some sort of tree with like yeah. pink flowers on it, and. Throughout the theme song, we actually see different Easter eggs for plot points mm-hmm. in the upcoming season. So that's pretty cool. One thing I will say, I hate the font that they chose. It does not feel era appropriate. Yeah. They said, we got a word art. We got word art on. Exactly. They're yeah. like, iMovie, plugged in. <laughs> yeah. So we then hear Lady Whistledown's voiceover as the little paper boy of the tawn runs around <laughs> handing out Lady Whistledown's society papers. She says, It has been said that of all the bitches dead or alive, a scribbling woman is the most canine. If that should be true, then this author would like to show you her teeth. My name wow. is Lady Whistledown. You do not know me, and rest assured, you never shall. But be forewarned, dear reader, I certainly know you. Mm. Spicy XOXO Lady Whistledown. So we go to the Bridgerton house where Hyacinth is gushing over how Daphne shined at the palace. And Eloise says she should go visit Penelope because her presentation wasn't so flawless. And Daphne, again, glowing. She's like, oh, my God. I was – she is very modest. Like, I don't think she – she isn't really – uh, braggadocious, if you will, but she is like, "Oh my god, I can't believe out of two hundred young ladies, Who, like me? I was singled out." Yeah, and I'm like, "You, you've seen a mirror, like you have mirrors." Yeah, because I think that Eloise is like, "Oh, her presentation wasn't. Oh, what was the word that the queen used?" She's like, "Flawless or, or something of the sort." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. okay, Daphne, <laughs> you know what she said to you." Yeah. And then Eloise goes, I love Eloise. I think she's hilarious. She's like, yeah, and now those 200 young ladies have a common adversary. And Daphne, (laughs) I know, she's just like, and you're done. Yeah. And Daphne says her success on the marriage mart influences all their prospects. They will all need to find love one day. One as pure as what their parents shared, if they're lucky. Because they had a love match. Rare. Yeah. And clearly Daphne is interested in a love match. Mm -hmm. 
So Violet then alerts the girls that their dresses have arrived and Francesca, Daphne, and Hyacinth all rush over, admire them. And Daphne's like, oh, I love this shade or like a pattern, whatever. And Violet is like, yes, this girl from last season wore this exact same color and she had three proposals the next day. And Eloise is like, I think her name is like Lady Macamber or something. And she's like, yeah. And apparently she spent the last year living in a cottage hundreds of miles away from her Earl and she is miserable. Says it all right here. Mm. And she's like, oh my God, are you reading those scandal gossip papers again? But Eloise is like, no, Lady Whistledown is different because she names people in full. She doxes people. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Demois, nothing on Lady Whistledown. Nothing. And Perez Hilton, a match. Dead in a ditch. <laughs> yeah, dead in a ditch. So Daphne snatches the papers and starts reading what Lady Whistledown has written about her. And she, like, giggles in delight about being named this season's incomparable. Wow. A diamond of the first water. Meanwhile, things aren't so hunky-dory over at the Featherington house. Lady Featherington suspects that Lady Whistledown is Violet Bridgerton because, like, the Bridgertons were written about so favorably in the papers. Mm-hmm. But Lady Cowper, uh, also a fellow mama of the Tawn, is, you know, hanging out, having some tea. And she says that Lady Whistledown is right. Daphne is exquisite. And you know what? The sooner that she's off the market, the better for all the other ladies, especially the ones who fucking fainted in front of the queen. Prudence. <laughs> Oops. So Lady Featherington tells her daughters to clean up before their guest their cousin arrives and tells Penelope to stop reading so much because she'll confuse her thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I was going to ask if you've, I was like, I've never actually like fainted, mm. like gone to the point of fainting, but I remember that you have fainted. Um, I fainted twice. So the first time I fainted was in high school. Oh. In my, English class and we were working on descriptive writing at the time and so we had to do this thing where we have people like stand facing the wall and somebody would sit like behind us and describe us from the back like using descriptive writing and we had to stand for a really long time and I hadn't eaten that day and it was Singapore and super hot and the air conditioning wasn't on enough and I was standing for a long time and I fainted. Um, and then they had to take me to the nurse. And then the second time I fainted was in it was in college. It was after – I can't remember what class. It was after like a movement class or something. So luckily we had mats on the ground. It was after I think my ground circus class or something. I just finished and I was standing by a window and I was like grabbing my stuff to go to my next class and I just fainted, like just plopped right on the ground. Luckily, there were mats down because the floors were wood. So, yeah, that was. Then you fainted three times because I remember you were on. Oh, I forgot about that. And you had to do some sort of run. Oh my God, you fainted a couple of times. Are you okay, girl? 
Do you have enough blood sugar? I was doing a video for our friend Erica Stevenson from the Hercules episode for her YouTube channel where we were doing um, ancient like chariot races. We were doing like a reenactment of that. And part of it was like while you were running and like doing these fucking laps, it was strenuous. And I was very hungover. (laughs) While we were running, like people were like another job of like the people on the set was to like throw eggs at us while we were running. And so I did this whole like very intense circuit. And I again had not eaten that day or had a morsel of water. And I was just like standing by the side. And in my head, I was like, I'm either about to faint right now or throw up. And I fainted, which I think is the preferable choice to be honest. Yeah. So those are the three times that I fainted. I completely forgot about that one. Oh my God. I thankfully have never fainted, but I definitely have thrown up. Like, I've thrown up basically everything that I've <laughs> ever eaten. Like, like not so, it's not so much a problem anymore, but like, I have had bouts throughout my life where I would like, I think I threw up because of like nervousness and anxiousness. Mm. So, like, when I was younger, I like threw up a ton, like, just, just random, like, suddenly my stomach would be like, not yeah. today. And I would be sick the whole night. And then in the morning, I'd be, like, totally fine. Yeah, and you're like, damn, that's crazy that that um, happened. <laughs> yeah. Da- damn, who was that? But never fainted. Never yeah. Fainted. You can kind of feel it coming. I felt it coming before, like, had that inkling. But I've never gotten to the point of, of Yeah. Like, there's out. a brief couple seconds where you're like, oh, I'm about to faint. But, like, you can't really do anything about it. So you're just like, mm-hmm. well, this is my reality now. One time – I did fall on ice. Oh. And and I um I was like getting ready to go to school, fell on ice cuz New, New England mm. winters. And um I remember like getting up, my mom was like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm okay." Like I didn't I don't think I hit my head at all, but it was like a shock to my yeah. system. And so I my, my like mom and my I think my brothers are too like brought me inside and I was like, I started seeing black mm. and it like, like my vision was closing up. Like it was all black around yeah. the edges and my ears were buzzing mm. and my, I would go like, I think I'm going to pass out. Like I was like, I like, I yeah. literally was like, I'm going to pass out. Like I can't hear you. And like my mouth was like watering. Like I felt nauseous. And um, my mom goes, you are not going to pass out. You are not going to pass out. Listen to me. Listen to me. And she's like angry. And like, I don't know if anyone feels this way, but like when your mom is angry, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to pass out. Like we got it. We got it. Like the nervous system, bring it back one hop this time. So (laughs) I was like, I remember that distinctly like to this day. I was like. Okay. And then I didn't pass out. I like my nervous system calmed down and I did not go to school that day. <laughs> yeah, she reset your nervous system, which is like what you need. Yeah. But in a scary way, I'm sure at the time. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was like fight or flight and my mom's trying to invoke my fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause she didn't like hit me or anything, right. but I do remember her like gripping my arm. <laughs> very tightly like being like just like you're not gonna pass out like do not pass out (laughs) yeah because that's like exactly what it feels like when you're about to pass out you're like vision starts to blur yeah really woozy and so like oh it's Mm -hmm. happening but she stopped it good for her (laughs) 
<laughs> she was ready to stop a moving train <laughs> if needed. <laughs> It's like those moms that you know get the adrenaline rush and pick up a car above their <laughs> the car, baby. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyways, anyways, what are we talking about? <laughs> this TV shows. <laughs> Lady Featherington. We get a little exposition. She explains to Lady Cowper and us that her husband's distant cousin is coming to stay with them for the season because she has no other female relative to sponsor her debut into society. Mm-hmm. And Lady Featherington is like, yeah, Lady Whistledown should have written about how charitable I am instead of my daughter <laughs> painting. <laughs> um, except she's not a liar. Mm-hmm. So Penelope is then like, oh, if you still only want, like, three girls to bring through the season, I would be more than happy to set this one out. You know, just like Eloise has, I can stay dedicated to my studies. But Lady Featherington says a big fat no. Yeah. But Lady Cowper says that maybe she should listen to Penelope. You know, having four young ladies to sponsor at the same time is a lot of competition. And Lady Featherington is like, oh, please, how much competition could this cousin be? She's a farm girl with a four-figure dowry. Despicable. <laughs> and right on cue, the aforementioned cousin has arrived and in walks in the beautiful Miss Marina Thompson. She is shining. She is shimmering. She's wearing this gorgeous, I think, like pink gown. She has stunning hair, like just a beautiful, beautiful young gal. Yeah. Penelope is like, she's beautiful. And Lady Featherington is stressed <laughs> the fuck out. Yeah. Then who do we see but Simon Bassett, the Duke of Hastings, played by, is it Reggae? Jean Page. I genuinely don't know if it's reggae or reggae. Reggae? I don't know. Reggae? I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. Please, if you know, tell us. Yeah. I assume because he's French, it's reggae, but I, I really yeah. don't know. Soft G, hard G, who's to say? Jif or gif, who's to say? Yeah, literally <laughs> that. So – Amazing first shot, like hottie on a horse. Okay. Two hotties into town on one day. Right. (laughs) And Lady Danbury welcomes him to her home and offers her condolences for the loss of his father. But turns out he hated him. So he's like, I'm feeling great. Mm -hmm. And Simon says, it's wonderful to see her. They head inside. All the servants are, like, prepping the estate for the first ball of the season. She's like, don't mind the mess. Like, you know, I'm hosting a ball tonight. And she tells him she's managed to keep his return to the ton quiet. But when the mamas find out there's going to be an eligible duke in attendance, word will travel fast. Mm -hmm. And Simon's like, don't fret because I'm only here to deal with my late father's affairs. And I have no time to socialize or attend any balls. Um, so accept my regrets. And she goes, eh, regrets denied. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll make a brief appearance. Mm. And she's like, perfect. You can leave your flask at home. It's most undignified. Because when he was riding in, he took like a swig of alcohol from his flask. Drinking and driving, my God. Very unhealthy. Very bad for the environment. 
Yeah. Little do we know <laughs> the daddy issues mm. that are festering and bubbling inside. Yeah. Also, you know who's an icon and a legend in her own right? Miss Danbury. Lady Danbury. I love yeah. her. Love her. Yeah. Okay, so you really have to watch Queen Charlotte then because you just oh, see damn her it, yeah. backstory. Because we have like young Lady Danbury, yeah. young Violet Bridgerton. They're all in Ooh. attendance. And like Violet is a, a child. She's like barely coming of age at this time. Wow. So Yeah, I do have questions about Lady Danbury like – who she married, did she mm-hmm. have kids, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, you see how she, like, gets in favor with the queen. Because mm, they're kind of BFFs. Yes, absolutely. It's it's great. And the honestly, like, the people that they cast in Queen Charlotte did an amazing job of really capturing the spirit of, like, their, mm. you know, counterparts from the original right. show. They did a phenomenal job. And the woman who plays – young lady danbury is also i think american and her accent work is flawless kudos yeah it could never be me couldn't be me with this accent <laughs> could it <laughs> oh my gosh so we then go to sienna we go to the beautiful opera singer with the gorgeous curly hair and like the beautiful little birthmark on her face, just like a she's stunning, gorgeous. yeah, stunning woman. And she's like a woman, you know? Yeah, she's not a mere girl who's like yeah. getting brought out into society. Although I will say, Daphne is supposed to be in her twenties. Actually, she's oh, not wow. like a teenager or anything because I I did read the first book and she's considered like old to be unwed and like old to wow. be doing her debut because I think she's like twenty one or something like that. Mm-hmm. So she's not you know like a mere girl of fourteen or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, we see Sienna, the opera singer. She is on stage rehearsing in the theater when her flame, Anthony Bridgerton, shows Ooh. up. Cut to her, like, shoving him against the wall in her dressing room. Like, they have very passionate – picture on the wall goes down. Yeah. I have experienced that before in life. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, yeah. They're having a very passionate time. And afterwards, they're laying naked on her chaise lounge. And Antony goes to check his timepiece. And she's like, oh, one day I'll take that thing apart. And I'm like, um, are you a watchmaker? <laughs> it's actually a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You need teeny tiny little screwdrivers. <laughs> but Anthony oh, yeah. says it was his dad's and he would miss it badly. And she says, well, then you know exactly how I feel every time you disappear. And she asks him to stay with her today, but he says that he has to chaperone Daphne at the Danbury Ball. And Sienna asks what those balls are like because she's, you know, never been able to attend something like that. And he's like, oh, you would hate them. But, you know, I need to be there to arrange the deal for Daphne's hand and and guard her from the bucks and make sure her virtue is free of defilement. And Sienna says that Daphne is lucky that not every woman is afforded such gallant protection. And then Antony says, every woman isn't a lady. And I was like, oh my God, that's such this is, a mean yeah. thing to say. And so Sienna is hurt by this and she like rolls her eyes and she's like, oh, of course not, my lord. But 
Antony does go over to her to try and smooth things over and says that she has him protecting her too. He will always protect her. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I want to just take a moment for how stupid hot Jonathan Bailey is. Stupid hot. Even with the – I know people – always talk about like you know the bridgerton glow up when it's your season like they really (laughs) they give you glow up i still think he's hot in the first season like are the mutton chops my thing no but i do love yeah i hated that facial i do love his like messy hair in the first season Mm -hmm. i think that was working for him so i did miss it a little bit in the second season but obviously he is like insanely hot in the second season oh my god obviously like a great actor he seems like a really nice person i was full lord when i found out he was gay because i was just like the man's a great actor yeah great actor and he's gonna like really pop off i think when wicked comes out because he's he's like a musical theater boy so Mm. i'm excited for that me too i'll watch him any day of the week yeah so we have the season's opening a ball at the danbury household and it is a highly sought after invitation Oh, this is Lady Whistledown. She says, for every darling debut, I can't do it. For every darling <laughs> debutante from Park Lane to Regent Street will be on display. And we get the very first classical rendition of Thank You Next as everyone begins arriving at the ball. Titled Chaste, <laughs> titled Chaste and Innocent, this is what they have been raised and trained for since birth. Tonight, we shall discover (laughs) which young ladies might succeed at securing a match, thereby avoiding the dreadful, dismal condition known as the spinster. Oh, man. Yeah. Love how the male equivalent of a spinster is just like eternal bachelor. Yeah, and they're like, it's so cool, actually. Yeah, but a woman being alone? (sighs) Oh, 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 different story, buddy. No, you rarely ever see a satisfied woman in TV or movie or anything like as a single woman. I was thinking when I heard this about The Gilded Age, which I just started watching, like haven't even finished episode one. Mm. And Miss Cynthia Nixon Mm. in that show is an eternal bachelorette. And she prefers it that way. And, like, that was the first time I'd seen it in a really long time. Yeah. So, anyways, the ladies (laughs) are doing their thing, trying to grab a guy. And Penelope watches longingly from the sidelines as Colin dances with a young lady. So, (gasps) she clearly has eyes for him. Then, of course, Daphne walks in, escorted by Violet and Anthony. And all eyes are on her. And Violet tells Daphne to allow the men to come to her. And just like that, Lord Ambrose comes up to them. He tries to talk to Daphne, but of course, Antony is, ba-bam, shut that down. He's like, oh, it's weird that I haven't seen you at the club lately. Does it have anything to do with your unpaid debts? Oh. (laughs) And he's like, I'm walking away. Yeah. And Antony... Anthony, Antony, I do not know. Antony, yeah. (laughs) Antony tells the girls that he is a cheat and any man of honor ensures his debts are fully paid. And I do agree. Like, I think 
I think if you're in the town, you're dodging like people you know with your debts. Like that's probably not the husband you want yeah. for your sister. But it gets worse. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Daphne's like, oh, I didn't realize. But Anthony is like, that's why I'm here. Let's take a turn about the room. Why don't we ever take a turn about the room anymore? Like, let's start taking turns around the room. Let's take a turn around the room. I love being at a gathering and taking a turn about the room. Yeah. Let me just talk a little bit to every person. Yeah. And then I get, I go, oh, it's been so good. Bye-bye. Yeah. And then you settle wherever you want to settle after you've kind of sussed it all out. Right. Yeah. Everyone see my face, know I'm here, mm-hmm. my presence is known. Yeah. Where shall I resign? <laughs> yeah. So as they take this turn about the room, Daphne points out some men that she's interested in, but Antony just goes through like one by one saying like they're not suitable, they're not worthy, this is wrong yeah. with them, this is wrong with them. They then join Benedict and Colin and – Kind of randomly, Colin is like, did you hear about my travel plans? Like, I'm going on a tour and I'm starting in Greece, which will come in handy later. But Antony then gives them the signal that Lady Danbury is headed their way and they try to disperse, but she catches them. And Lady Danbury asks Daphne why she isn't on the dance floor yet. And Antony says, Mm. old in good time. She then just goes, Poor thing, and goes off because obviously Antony is in big bad protective mode. But Colin, our young buck, then notices Miss Marina Thompson on the dance floor, and he is instantly attracted, instantly intrigued. Mm. Meanwhile, Lady Featherington, who's standing on the upper floor, tells her friends that. You know, that Marina, like, isn't she dowdy? And they don't say anything because obviously she's not. And they watch as she's approached by Colin. And Lady Cowper says that her household will be full of callers in the morning. Mm. Where one suitor goes, the rest will follow. And we see a brief shot of Philippa and Prudence Featherington standing alone on the sidelines. They are not being asked to dance. Aww. So we're back to Simon, the Duke of Hastings, finally making his appearance. And of course, Lady Featherington recognizes him and immediately starts bringing her daughters over to meet him before he sees Marina. But the Duke is swarmed by every eligible bachelorette and their mamas. And of course, he hates this because he's not even trying to get married. No. And Daphne, she's like, I'm parched, Antony. I'm going (laughs) to grab some punch. And he's like, why don't I get it for you? But he's like – she goes, no, no, no. You've you've done so much already for me tonight. I will be right back. So she finally has a moment to be by herself and get her drink. But, of course, she's approached by Lord Burbrook. A nasty, dirty old man. Right. And for me, physically, like, he's not it. Yeah. But also, his personality is so detestable for that sure. it doesn't really matter what he looks like. So For sure. Like, if you compare him to What's-His-Face from Pride and Prejudice, Mr., like, the guy talking about potatoes, what's his name? The one who, like, oh, tries to propose to... Right. Oh, my God. I don't his remember name? his name. But, yeah, that guy... 
also, you know, an older man, not super attractive, but at least he was like nice. He was nice. He was nice. Yeah. This this guy guy sucks. Mm -mm. (laughs) So he starts making conversation about how small the drinking glasses are. He like really thinks he's clever. And she's like, I don't even know what you're saying. (laughs) And he's like, you've always amused me ever since I was a schoolboy. And she was like, and I was five. Ew, ew, So ew. that's a gag, gag atrocious. Mm-hmm. And Daphne <laughs> excuses herself <laughs> to go back to her brother. But Burbrook is like calling behind her. He's like, Daphne, wait a minute, Daphne. And just in a rush to get away from him, she accidentally bumps into Simon. <gasps> The Duke. Oh my God. And she apologizes and like look back, looks back and sees that Burbrook is still trying to make his way over. So she asks Simon his name and he's like, Oh, do you not know who I am? <laughs> and says that accosting him is the least civilized way to get an introduction. Okay. And she's, <laughs> he is so full of himself. It's unreal. What a rake, my God. <laughs> For someone who, I guess it is very much giving um, Pride and Prejudice because he's just, like, really, like, detached and honestly shy, Mm -hmm. but exudes an air of, like, overconfidence and doesn't give a fuck. So for him, he's just like, oh, yeah, you don't know who I am. (laughs) And she's like, what? Like... What even is your name? Suddenly, Antony bursts out and he's like, Bassett, come here, old friend. And they handshake. And Antony's like, I heard about your father. And he's like, oh, you're not a Bassett anymore. You're the new Duke of Hastings. (gasps) And Daphne's like, the Duke of Hastings, is it? And Antony introduces them and says, he and Simon went to Oxford together. Classic. And Daphne says she knows the company he keeps, so she's sure his days with the Duke were most civilized indeed. And <laughs> Yeah. Simon gives her a Luke before Antony and Daphne walk away. He's like, hmm, have I met my match? Perhaps. He's just this immediately like, of course he's handsome, but right. the personality on this one. For sure, for sure. Uh, I also noticed that this actor, Reggie, Reggae, TBD, um, he has a lot of eyebrow acting. That's like, mm. that's it. he does a lot of eyebrow work. <laughs> so Daphne then, you know, goes off with Antony and Violet is like, oh, Daphne, Lord Weatherby was looking for you to dance. But Antony says, I think it's time for us to retire, actually. Uh, we're leaving. And Violet's like, oh, Daphne doesn't seem tired. Like, I can stay with her. And Daphne is very excited about this idea from being at this ball out of the clutches of her brother. But Antony stops her and is like, oh, there isn't a man here who wouldn't take your hand. It's best for you to not dance with anyone and leave them all wanting more. He's like, I've I've been around the block a time or two. I know how it works. And I'm like, you're a damn fool. Yeah. But Daphne gives in and they leave the ball she didn't get to dance with anyone so sad yeah 
in the morning, Daphne lies awake in bed. She's looking hopeful, and her maid Rose comes in, and Daphne's like, tell the cook to prepare as many biscuits as he can this morning just in case we have some, you know, guests and, like, maybe add some extra chairs to the living room for the gentleman callers. (laughs) So we see the Bridgerton family, like, sitting in the living room just, like, layers and layers of treats and biscuits and all these chairs but nobody Mm -hmm. has shown up and we hear a little violin rendition of girls like you by i think maroon five wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the first man to arrive of the day is antony actually he's you know up and at him spry in the morning ready to oversee all the men who come by today Meanwhile, at the Featherington house, we see two gentleman callers show up for Marina. Oh, my gosh. So Lady Whistledown says, Dearest reader, this author finds herself compelled to share the most curious of news. It seems our diamond requires a closer inspection. And we see Daphne try to talk to, like, the three men that have showed up for her. But Antony is literally, like, standing over them, watching them like a hawk. Even makes one of the guys, like, move to the other couch so that he can sit next to Daphne. I'm like, stop salting her game, bro. But Lady Whistledown says, as such, an even rarer jewel of only the most remarkable brilliance, fire, and luster has been unearthed. Her name, unknown to most, yet soon known to all, is Miss Marina Thompson. Mm. And we see that every guy in the motherfucking ton has shown up to court her. Yeah. Lady Whistledown says, This author is left to wonder whether Her Majesty might reconsider the high praise she once afforded Miss Bridgerton. For all we know, what the Queen despises more than anything, being wrong. And the drawing room at the Bridgerton house currently appears to be emptier than the muddled head of her dearest King George. And I'm like, that was just that's mean and especially devastating having watched Queen Charlotte. But at the end of another, you know, gentleman collarless day, Antony leaves the Bridgerton house to go off to his club. And Lady Whistledown says... It follows that Lady Featherington is to receive what she has always desired, the season's true and comparable living under her own roof. She must be overjoyed. And we just see Lady Featherington looking pissed as fuck. Yeah. So we go back to the Bridgerton's household and Eloise is reading the Whistledown pamphlet. Daphne suggests to her mom that they attend the upcoming ball by themselves and also maybe the next tea. But the Viscountess tells her that Antony has managed their social calendar through June. So, no shot. Yeah. And Eloise mentions Lady Whistledown's thoughts on Daphne's misfortune again, and Daphne's like, enough. But at that moment, someone does come for Daphne. Lord Burbrook. Eh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Violet makes Eloise get up. She's like, oh, shouldn't you go be 
checking on Penelope or something. And much to Daphne's chagrin, Eloise like relents and goes with her mom. And Lord Burbrook sits on the couch with her. He apologizes for not calling sooner, but he's like, oh, I assumed your affections were already engaged. Now I know we were destined for each other. Ew, get away from her, you weird old man. He's gross. Yeah. Meanwhile, over at the Featherington household, uh, men are reciting poetry for Marina Thompson. And one of the men hanging around is Colin Bridgerton. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, on his way out, Colin kind of makes fun of the guy reading the poem. And Penelope agrees, you know. (laughs) Lord Byron, he is not. He, he. They have a little <laughs> kitty little moment. She obviously has a crush on him and he For sure. is oblivious. For sure. So the next thing we see is Antony and Daphne having a little horse ride together. And he tells her not to worry about Burbrook. There will be others. But Daphne tells him that Lady Whistledown has declared her all but ineligible. And she asks who would want such damaged goods now. Antony tells her not to give anonymous musings too much credit. And Daphne is like, well, you've scared every suitor away. And Lady Whistledown is just reporting it. But he's like, it's my duty. And Daphne is like, what about my duty? You have no idea what it's like to be a woman, to have your life reduced to a single moment. This is all I've been raised for. I have no value. And there are a couple of inserts like this um, mm-hmm. with, like, feminism and what, and it obviously is, like, heightened by the fact that it's set in the 1800s. Right. But, again, interesting that they're having this conversation. And it's definitely supposed to parallel, like, the current modern-day woman yeah. and expectations of marriage and family and everything. Yeah, for sure. It makes me think about, like, um, Amy's monologue in Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Mm. Where she's like, you know, I'm a woman. I, you know, can't have any money of my own. Like, don't pretend that marriage isn't a financial prospect because it is. That there's just this insane amount of pressure Yeah, on marriage. No, Absolutely. And even when it doesn't have to do with money, there's also big societal pressure, family Mm -hmm. pressure. And so you just get a little taste of that. Yeah. And Antony tells her she's a Bridgerton. And Daphne tells him she wishes she were not and rides away. How old is Antony supposed to be? I actually don't know. I don't know. I feel like he's like 30. She has so many kids, bro. Yeah. 29 in season one. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, 30, time to wrap this up in season two. (laughs) Yeah, and Daphne is 21 in season one. So the next day, Lady Whistledown, you know, reports that the Duke of Hastings is still in town and that, you know, he's been heard telling the mamas of the town that he has no plans of ever marrying no matter how much they try and foist their daughters on him and she wonders which brazen matchmaker will rise to the challenge the competition mm. is already underway 
Meanwhile, we go to the gentleman's club where Anthony and Simon are just hanging out. Dudes being bros, bros being guys. Of course. <laughs> buddies being butt buddies, question mark. But <laughs> <laughs> he talks about how dreadful it is to be, you know, accosted by the mamas at every turn. And Anthony says that they just want him to take a wife. And he's like, you know. You're a duke now. Don't you want to take your place in society? But Simon says that it's just a title and it will end with him. So he is like vowed, I'm never getting married. I am never siring an heir. Like Mm -hmm. the name dies with me. Right. And Antony calls him, like he refers to him as Hastings. And Simon is like, stop calling me that. That was my dad's name. It was never mine. So again – We get some inklings of the daddy issues that will unfortunately plague this man. And Simon is like, hey, what about you, Antony? You're 29 years of age. Where's your wife? You know, do you plan on just fucking your mistress forever? Like, you need an heir to the Bridgerton line. And Antony just kind of dodges the question. He's like, well, I'm in possession of something that you're not. I have brothers. So, again, he can just, like, pass off the responsibility to his brothers to have the heirs if he doesn't want to. A luxury that the Bridgerton women are not afforded. Exactly. Um, Also, I haven't seen them, but I'm sure there are fan cams of the Duke and Antony. I haven't seen them either, but I'm sure they exist. Right. Yeah. Or, like, the Wattpad story. I don't know. So, back at the Featheringtons, Lady Whistledown tells us it seems that Colin Bridgerton will win this year's prize when he sweeps Miss Thompson off her pretty little slippered feet. And Varley, the housekeeper, like woman of the house, I don't know, she seems like the lead maid, tells Lady Featherington that she could ship Marina back to the farm. But Lady Featherington is like, no, my husband would never approve. And Mr. Featherington watches as Colin and Marina laugh together. Sorry, I got distracted. I was looking up uh, Anthony and Simon fan fiction. Anyways. So did you find anything? <laughs> I did find, find I did find something. Um, they're just – they're not like full-length fan fictions though. They're just little like kind of one-shot situations Seeing a lot of Simon and Daphne stuff. Sure. Oh, my bare strip heart, Simon and Anthony. Okay, let me read this little little thing. Anthony Bridgerton was many things. A Viscount, a gentleman, a fine horseman, and a terrible shot. A brother, a son, a disappointment to his mother, and the other marriage-minded mamas. A rake, a sarcastic wit and an insistent but gentle lover to a variety of painted misses whose morals were, this is the longest sentence in the world, (laughs) were as scarlet (laughs) as their lips. Those labels for him were all well known throughout the town, but the other thing he was, beloved, and beloved by Simon Bassett. That was just between the men themselves. (laughs) Well, we do, I, I don't feel like this is really a spoiler, but we do find um benedict later on yeah in some very bisexual yeah situations a little bi-curious moment yeah yeah he gets enveloped in the art scene mm-hmm. and we all know 
that there are a lot of bisexuals. Yeah. Do you want to hear what the, the art scene? <laughs> for sure. Do you want to hear what the tags are for this one? Sure. So besides, you know, the the different pairings in it, mm-hmm. um, consensual teenage sexual situations, oral sex, <sighs> anal sex, rich people doing what they want, slightly icky dynamics amongst consenting adults, and elusive Simon Bassett. Okay. <laughs> so you're in for a ride with this one. Uh, oh, there's another one. The way we wish it could be. Oh, my God. Anthony is tired of the secret. He wants to be free to love who he loves. Simon no. is trying to keep their whole world together. Tragic. <laughs> Jesus. I know. The gravitas. Thinking back on younger years. Another one. Benedict discovers Antony's secret. Luckily, he's the one that can be trusted with it. And Benedict the ally coming through. Yeah, ally. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there's so many. Okay, I need to like stop looking at this before I go into too much of a rabbit hole. But if you're looking for Anthony Simon fan fiction, it is out there. It's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, where are we? What's happening? Um, Bridgerton's Daphne read Lady Whistledown's latest pamphlet. We go back to the Bridgertons. Uh, Daphne has read the latest Lady Whistledown society papers and – it reads that a surprising suitor has emerged for Daphne, Burbrook, yikes, uh. and Burbrook arrives once again and asks if it'll just be the two of them again because no other gentleman callers have come. And he like pats the couch beside him and I'm like, stay away from her, you gross old man. Leave her alone. Yeah. <sighs> so we go however many days later to the opera and the Viscountess and Daphne walk into the opera, and Lord Burbrook immediately sees her and looks over, giving her the grossest look. Yeah. So she's like, come on, Mama, off to her box now, <laughs> when the queen herself calls them over to join her. So they greet the queen, and she tells her she made quite the impression, no matter how fleeting it might have been. Oof. <laughs> Oof, Yeah. And Lady Danbury invites them over to her box. She's like, I insist. So during the opera, Lady Danbury looks over at the queen and her crew, and she tells Violet that they're saying her husband, King George, won't make it another month. Mm. But Violet thinks that it's just, you know, another rumor provided by Lady Whistledown. And Lady Danbury says that she writes about her family, too. But she supposes the Duke can handle it since, you know, he's a man. Everything kind of just washes right off their shoulders. Falls off your shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Daphne's just enjoying the show. Just taking in the arts. She loves the opera. Yeah. Violet and Lady Danbury agree that Simon and Daphne are not quite like what Lady Whistledown writes them to be. And... Lady Danbury says, oh, you know, they have that in common then. You know, matches have been made from less than that. Mm. Perhaps, hmm, let me twiddle my fingers. Let me make a little (laughs) scheme. Perhaps a little match could be arranged. And she's like, you know, the Duke of Hastings is quite fond of gooseberry pie. And Violet's like, hmm, the same dish that my cook is renowned for. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yes. What's happening at the Featheringtons, you might ask? In the morning, Marina wakes up and she tosses her sheets in a fury. (gasps) What could be going on? Oh, my goodness. So another day at the Bridgertons, they're having dinner with the Duke, so it's coming into fruition. And the family is just hypothesizing on who Lady Whistledown is. Eloise thinks it's for sure a woman, despite her brothers saying that it's a guy or whatever. And Francesca thinks it's Lady Danbury. But Daphne is like, actually, Lady Danbury enjoys sharing her insults with society directly. (laughs) (laughs) So then Hyacinth is like, maybe Lady Featherington. And they all laugh. And Violet tells the Duke to forgive their lively debate. But he's actually enjoying it. And he likes that they all dine at the same table. And Violet's like, yeah, it's untraditional, but we rather like each other. Cut to her youngest getting into, like, an argument. And she says most of the time. And invites him back again, maybe when they travel to their country seat. Hmm. So the strings are being pulled. It's very clear that Simon does not have these experiences. No. Um, and he really enjoys this warm, inviting family. Yeah. So he is having fun. And as the siblings just continue talking, the Duke turns to Daphne and tells her that she seems displeased. And the Duke says he's seated next to her. He thinks that she would be happy about that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the fuck? And Daphne tells him... Oh, why don't you refrain from thinking about me at all? Yeah, keep my name out of your fucking mouth. (laughs) Boom. And the Duke is surprised, and Daphne sarcastically asks how it's possible for a woman to do anything but smile when seated next to a Duke, even one of his reputation. Dang. And granted, like, I'm rephrasing, like, she's saying in very elegant, like, in a debutante way. Right. Where she's like, oh, what mayhaps you think about not thinking about me? I don't know. Yeah. But the Duke asks if she's aware of his reputation, and she tells him she's aware of his friendship with her brother and of what Lady Whistledown has written about him. Presumptuous, clearly, arrogant, most definitely. You are a rake through and through. Tell me I am wrong. And the Duke asks who is to refrain from thinking about whom. Oh. <laughs> mm. You walked into that one, Daphne. Mm-hmm. And she tells him that she's not interested, and the Duke implies the same. So Anthony Anthony sees them chatting along mm-hmm. and comments on him spontaneously joining them for dinner. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I was basically forced to, after Lady Denbury accepted the invitation on my behalf. And Violet's like, well, why don't you stay for dessert? Gooseberry pie. He's like, hmm, my favorite. How curious. How curious. Y'all ain't slick, Danbury and <laughs> Violet. Subtle, you are not. No. That night, uh, Antony is in his study when Violet goes to visit him. And he tells her that she, you know, has historically been a perfectly reasonable mother until Daphne came of age. 
and says that her matchmaking scheme will not work because Simon has no intention of marrying. And she's like, yeah, all men say that. Like, your dad used to say that. And he's like, do not bring my dad into this. And again, he gets so serious. Daddy issues, which we will explore more in season two. Mm-hmm. But he says that even if the Duke wanted to marry, he would not approve of him marrying Daphne. <laughs> and I love this line. Violet's like, oh, but reformed rakes make the best of husbands. <laughs> and he tells her that he will not make her happy and she's not solving the matter. Although I guess in this moment he does th- – Aside from, like, him literally scaring off everyone, he mm-hmm. does think he's being helpful because the Duke explicitly told him that he does not want to get yes, married and he does true. not want to have an heir. So sh- he knows that, like, those things to be true, especially the heir part, like, yeah. even if he were to marry. Um, But the previous actions combined with the fact that he's not, like, expressing this mm-hmm. to Violet, it's not great. Yeah. So Violet's not so sure that, like, she doesn't believe Anthony, Anthony, and she's like, well, he will be joining us as our guest at Vauxhall tomorrow evening. She's like, you know, it wasn't so easy to get him to come, but Anthony cuts her off and tells her that she's overstepped because Daphne is his responsibility. You know, like, he's mm-hmm. the, he's, I'm the man of the house kind of thing. And Violet asks, uh, oh, like, do you want to discuss rep- responsibility then? If you if you leave tonight, uh, are you going straight back to your bachelor apartment? Or are you going to visit a certain uh, soprano from the opera, are you? Hmm? Ooh. She's like, yeah, I know. I know what you do when you're not here. Uh, you thought I didn't know? A mother knows. Yeah. A mother always knows. And she says that she knows that he's relying on his brothers to fulfill a responsibility that he will not. And she waits with Daphne in the drawing room every day and sees her terrified of what her future will be if he continues to cock block her like he has been. <laughs> Paraphrasing, of course. Yeah, right, <laughs> so, right, right. She says that if his father was here, Daphne would have already found a match. That's harsh. Yeah. And she tells Antony that he needs to ask himself if he's an older brother or the man of the house. Because mm. he is Lord Bridgerton now. Like the second his dad died, he's Lord Bridgerton. Yeah. So we go to the next morning. Antony is laying in bed with Sienna and he tells her he can't see her anymore. He must do what is necessary. And if we remember a couple minutes ago, mm-hmm. the last time they were together, in the, I'm assuming her dressing room at the opera. Yeah. He explicitly told her that he is there for her and he will care for her. He will always protect her. Right. And Sienna's like, I don't understand. And he's like, it's not for you to understand. And she tells him that he promised to always care for her. What should she do now? And he's just like, leave. <sighs> Tough. Fucking mm-hmm. brutal for Sienna. Yeah. So Lady Whistledown tells us that there's one thing that humbles even the most highly regarded members of their ton. A scandal. <gasps> 
So we see this montage as Daphne is preparing for the ball, and Lady Whistledown says that the Tawn is left to wonder if the former Diamond's recent fall from grace will be the most damaging scandal of all. Yes. We go to the ball, and it's it seems to be set on like an island, or at least a place they had to take a boat to. Mm-hmm. And Colin comes up to Penelope and asks about Miss Thompson. Of course, Penelope's face falls. She's like, oh, my God. And Penelope tells him that she is ill at home with her mom. Her dad is chaperoning tonight. Otherwise, she wouldn't be able to wear this dress. It's not considered yellow enough. (laughs) Then Miss Cowper comes up to Colin, absolutely butting into the conversation, And tells him she only has one more spot on her dance card. Perhaps he would like to dance. And spills her drink right on Penelope. Ugh, rude. I fucking Cressida Cowper. She's a nuisance. Can't stand her. No, awful. And Colin is like, actually, I can't offer you that dance because I am to escort Penelope to the floor. Mmm. Get And I love that. I love that for them, but I'm like... She wants more. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Then, of course, the Duke comes in and immediately a mama is up in his face. And she just goes, you look just like him. You look just like your father. And this man wants to crawl out of his skin. Yeah. Then out of nowhere, a man who is apparently the 18th century DJ (laughs) – Calls everyone to the floor, and the Duke just beelines it in the opposite direction. Yeah. So meanwhile, back at the Featherington house, Varley comes into Miss Featherington's room with Marina's bedsheets. And, you know, we have to think back to olden times when, Mm -hmm. you know, there are no period tracking apps. There's not really access to tampons so much. Right, right, right. So you do the math there. I'm like, that's crazy. (laughs) Like, y'all don't have a calendar? Yeah. Also, like, y'all never got your period, like, when you're out? Well, like, sometimes it doesn't come at night. There's so many layers in those dresses, you wouldn't be able to see it. Like, it would show Mm. up on your undergarments. It wouldn't show up on the dress. So at least there's that. But I guess, like, the implication is that bitches be free bleeding all night long. Right. I guess. Because, like, I guess so. Why not? That's crazy. (laughs) So. I'm like, I don't have a washer dryer in my apartment. Yeah, I can't. I I cannot. in In this financial crisis, I can't be washing my sheets every single day. Right. But. Anyways, back of the ball, you know, they light up some – there's some sort of, like, filament light bulb situation going on. They, like, light up this beautiful dance floor. It's stunning. Everybody's very amazed. I guess it's probably, like, gas lamps. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, But Antony goes up to Daphne and asks – and she's like, is this not the most bizarre? And – he looks very upset. Obviously, he had a, you know, a tough morning where he had to break a woman's heart today. Mm-hmm. And she asks what's wrong. And he's like, 
Um, you're marrying Burbrook. He has money, lineage, education. Uh, the deal's done. You're going to be marrying her, him. You know, I had to find you a husband, and now that's done. And sh- she's like, we did it. What the fuck did you just <laughs> say to me? And he's like, you know, it should be as easy for you to fall in love with him as anyone else. And I'm like, Anthony, let's not lie to ourselves. Let's not be delusional. I get that, you know, you feel like you need to now just grab the first guy that'll marry your your sister, but don't pretend that she would fall in love with him. But Daphne is obviously very upset, and she refuses, mm-hmm. and she says, I will not hear of this, and runs off. Yeah. Back at the Featherington household, Miss Featherington walks into Marina's room and tells her she hasn't bled in over a month. And she's like, you know, I should be happy. Until now, I've had no legitimate excuse to dispense with you. But when Lord Featherington hears of this, and then she asks Marina if she even knows who the father is. Damn. She's just like incredibly pissed off, throwing insults. Mm -hmm. And Marina under her breath is like, you'll never understand. And she's like, what did you say to me? And she's like, you're out of touch. Like, you think I wanted to come here to be around people like you? You don't even know. You don't even know. Desperate times for Marina right now. Yeah. So back at the ball, Burbrook goes over to Daphne and she's like pissed off, pacing around. They're on like – is it called the Night Walk? Is that where they are or is that in a later episode? The Dark Walk is – so we understand later on in the scene that like the Mm. Dark Walk is a few steps away. But they're basically – she went to an un-inhabited like, spot. like, like yeah, an unchaperoned area. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, not somewhere you want to be caught, like, alone with someone. Because even, like, being – like, you, a woman, being alone in a room with a man, exactly. unchaperoned, is, like, a big no-no. Right. So she's, like, not now. And he's, like, talking about how he's going to be her husband. And Daphne says, I will never marry you. My brother made a mistake. And Burbrook gets pissed off and he's like, Oh, you think you're better than me? And she tells him that it would be best if he just left. And he says, I'm your last hope. Nobody wants you. Sheesh. Yeah. So while this argument is happening, who happens to pass by but the Duke of Hastings? Mm-hmm. And Burbrook gets closer to Daphne and he like grabs onto her as they're arguing and she's like, let go, let go. And the Duke like goes over to intervene. But before he even can, Daphne pulls out that right hook and fucking decks him in the face. Decks him. Yeah. He goes down mm-hmm. like a pile of rocks. Yeah, like a hot potato. <laughs> so the Duke rushes over and Daphne apologizes and he's like, oh, no, I I'm impressed. And she asks where he was coming from. And he says he was just trying to get away from the mamas. And it then dawns on Daphne, like we said, that the dark walk is just a few steps away. And she's here alone now with two men. Mm -hmm. She needs to leave before, you know, she becomes compromised. Right. Meanwhile, Burbrook, who's like barely conscious, is like, marry me, Daphne, from the mud. And... Daphne says that if someone were to find her here, 
It sure would be one way to get out of marrying him, though. Yes. And the Duke is like, you can't possibly be thinking of marrying him. And she's like, I might not have another option. Unlike you, I can't declare that I don't want to marry. And the Duke is like, well, I was surprised to learn that you don't have suitors waiting around every square in London. And Daphne, Daphne is like, first of all, in a horrible situation. Yeah. I was just told that this man who was about to do God knows what to her right. is going to be her husband. And she's like, I don't need your insults. But he's like, no, I was, I'm being serious. I know what Lady Whistledown has written. And I don't like her either. So he explains that she's basically issued a challenge to the most annoying mamas to try to claim him, and Daphne finishes his sentence, like, as their prize. So Daphne tells him that she believes such a win would be promptly forfeited indeed, and that she must go. But the Duke says perhaps there is an answer to our collective Lady Whistledown issue. <gasps> hmm. So we see Daphne walking back towards the ball. We kind of like flash back to Daphne and the Duke's conversation, and he suggests that they pretend to be together. What? Fake dating. Oh my God, my favorite trope. I love yes, fake yes, dating. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> and you know why fake the dating? The proposal, heard of it? Exactly. You know why it always works? It's because your body can't tell the difference between like you imagining something and you actually experiencing it. What? Yeah, this is something that we learned in acting school. And I've, ex- I've like had this happen. <laughs> it was to like, me. it sounds like an actor thing. Right. So, like, the, the the brain is a very powerful thing and your body really can't tell if you are actually experiencing something or imagining it. And that is why fake dating always works because you're in this <laughs> situation where you're like so intimate with another person that whether it's real or clever, not, clever. those lines start getting blurred and those feelings and the, you know, physical responses start happening. But anyways, so yeah, we have a fake dating situation going on and, you know, that way – the world can believe that he has finally found his duchess. Like the mamas will stop chasing after him. Everyone will leave him alone. And every guy will be looking at her because they're like, oh, I want what the Duke has. Let me go and try mm. steal Daphne away. So he says that Lady Whistledown will view them as what they are. Him as unavailable and her as desirable. So they walk back into the ball arm in arm and like everyone is looking at them yeah and this is where things go awry <laughs> yeah and he looks at her the way that he does and he says stare into my eyes and come closer <laughs> and i'm like ah! Ah! and, he's, and like, he's like for this to work <laughs> oh my god he tells her for this to seem real, she must appear madly in love. <laughs> like kicking my feet over here as, I've, as if I've yeah. seen this like a million times. Um, but yeah, so, you know, back to in the bushes, he tells Daphne that if she does not wish to marry him, then what does she have to lose? I'm like, everything. She has everything. <laughs> everything. To lose. 
But they make their way to the middle of the dance floor. And, like, this whole scene is so beautiful. Like, the lights Mm -hmm. and the flowers all around. It, like, gives me chills. There's fireworks in the background. Like, it's... Yeah, what the hell? So beautiful. And we hear our last little voiceover for the pilot. It appears Miss Daphne Bridgerton has captured the interest of the newly returned Duke of Hastings. Of course, how Miss Bridgerton secured her newfound suitor is yet to be determined. Yet if anyone shall reveal the circumstances of this match, dear reader, it is I, yours truly, Lady Whistledown. Mm. And if you're not hooked... If you're not hooked, there's something wrong with you. If you're not hooked, what do you want? Yeah, what more could you possibly expect from a television program? Yes. Costumes? Got it. Are they Music? accurate? Got no. It. Do I care? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a really juicy pilot. I love a pilot where it's like, okay, yeah, we get it. Exposition. Yeah, we get it. There's like a little issue. Oh, her brother scared away all her suitors. But then they're like, bam, hit Mm -hmm. you with the big plot point. Yeah. It's a lot of characters to manage because obviously even just the Bridgerton family itself is quite large. I can't even tell them apart. Yeah. (laughs) Francesca Hyacinth. Yeah, they're – Or is that a stone? I don't know. Their time will come eventually, but it's not for quite a few years at this point. But – like, they've actually already recast. They had to recast Francesca. Yeah, I saw um, that. Because there was, like, scheduling conflicts. And I'm like, that's crazy to me that you would blow the Bridgerton bag, given, like, how much people blow up from the show. But do you go off? But, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think they do a good job of kind of developing our key players and giving us a good sense of who those people are. Like, I have a very good grasp on the Featherington dynamic, very Mm -hmm. good grasp on, you know, Daphne and Simon, Lady Danbury, Violet. Yeah. Um, Of course, the rest will come in time. It is a a series, but I feel like they kind of hit those those marks really solidly in the pilot. And definitely, definitely. The pacing of the episode is good because obviously with a pilot, you have to deal with a lot of exposition you have to be setting Mm -hmm. up a lot of dynamics but it doesn't feel like it really drags it's it's always moving i did appreciate that they didn't go into depth they were just like okay it's understood that the father died and now antony is the lord it's understood Mm -hmm. that the duke's father just passed away like there's a lot of things that they do to explain where we're landing Mm -hmm. instead of being like and you know how his father died, and you know how this has to happen. Like, they don't even address him being the Lord, really, until that moment where it's very mm-hmm. tense. And she's like, you need to step up right now. Yeah. Like, if you want to talk about responsibility, let's talk about it. Um, and so I thought that was very clever and within a reasonable reality and not just, like, we got to blurt out a lot of facts right now. Mm-hmm. And it only – Get spicier from here. Are you not wondering who Lady Whistledown is? Yeah. I certainly had my theories all throughout. Mm-hmm. At one point, I did suspect who it ends up being, but I was like, no. Yeah. 
Like, that seems too obvious right now. And then they throw in all these other red herrings. But then I was right. So There are a lot of red herrings, like, especially in season two. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely recommend if this is your first exposure to Bridgerton. I don't know what rock you've been living under, but I hope you continue your journey because it's a it's a fun one. It's a juicy one for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, how yeah. spicy. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited we got to kind of start 2024 out with a bit of a banger. Definitely. Um, I'm really excited for our lineup. Who knows what we're doing next? Not us yet. Yeah, yet to but be decided. <laughs> I'm like really vibing with doing an American Girl movie. I've never seen one before. That is insane to me. <laughs> There are so many, like, just off the cuff, Mm. like, in the Samantha movie, Anna Sophia Robb lead. Mm. In the, I think her name is Kristen or Kirsten, is it, the colonial one, um, Miss Big Little Lies, uh, Secret Life of American Teenager. Oh, Shailene Woodley? Shailene Woodley stars. Mm. There's another one with Abigail Breslin as the lead. Like, mm. very big names. Like, honestly, jumping off points for them. Wow. Um, but anyways, won't get too ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be down for sure. I think we're, we'll are we have to hit American Girl. We'll have to get some more Mary Kay and Ashley. For up sure. Up in here, for sure. Um, maybe a little more Lindsay. You haven't done a Lindsay flick. A little more Lindsay, yeah. Yeah. I think we just really want to do, just generally speaking, more Y2K. Yeah. For sure. Get back to basics. Back to basics. Get in there. Yeah. For sure. And we're so excited. So please, as the new year is beginning, let us know your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your feelings. You can always DM us. You can email us where you might ask. At movies that raised us at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, where where can you DM us? At movies that raised us on Instagram. Yeah, if you're looking for some content, you can always follow us on TikTok at movies that raised us pod. And if you're looking for some tweets, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. Yes. And with that being said, I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.